Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to Margaret, who donated to the Spiritual Forum podcast. I so appreciate your donations. This is a 100% donation-based podcast, prayer and retreat ministry, and it's just so lovely that there are people out there that benefit from the podcast and choose to give back. So thank you so much. I think that's about all I have to say today, except don't forget to join me on my YouTube channel, and you can find me on any podcast app, please share with your friends and rate and review and all that kind of stuff that keeps us alive. Let me introduce you to my guest, Douglas Hodgson. He's a former lawyer and dean and professor of law residing in Perth, Western Australia. He's the author of many books and articles, including Transcendental Spirituality, Wisdom and Virtue, The Divine Virtues and Treasures of the Heart. He's had a 35-year career in higher education in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, as a teacher, researcher, scholar, human rights advocate, and university administrator. We'll be discussing his book, Spiritual Revelations from Beyond the Veil, which examines more than 500 direct first-hand accounts and testimonials of those who claim to have had an out-of-body experience. Welcome, Douglas. Thank you very much, Carol, and greetings from Western Australia to you and your listeners. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. Just so our listeners know, I'm recording here at 7 a.m. in Wisconsin, and you're at 9 p.m. in Perth, and I love that we can do this. I love that technology brings us Mm -hmm. together, even though it's a little bit of a rough time for each of us. (laughs) Well, we, we live in an age of connectivity, as they say. Right, right. And I I think that's really wonderful that we can connect in this way. So your book is really fascinating. I I think that near-death experiences is so interesting to people for a number of reasons, including that it really just gives people a sense of stability and hope. So I'm interested in, before we talk about your own spiritual journey, can you succinctly describe what the message is that you've gotten from these 500 near-death experiences and the the general message in your book. Yes. Um, Well, most of us at one point in our lives have considered certain existential or metaphysical questions. Uh, For example, does God exist? Um, Is there an afterlife and higher spiritual realms? And if so, what are they like? Uh, Do each of us have a soul or consciousness or life force that survives the death of our physical body? Um, Does our soul transcend both space and time? Uh, What is our purpose here on earth? And do each of us have a tailored and unique mission to fulfill while we are here? Other questions, are we ultimately judged on a reward-punishment basis? Or is it otherwise? Are there universal laws which underpin the workings of the cosmos? And is humanity alone in the universe? Or are there countless other universes, dimensions, and realms of existence, uh, both seen and unseen, of vast complexity, some of which interact with uh, the earthly realm? So these are all metaphysical questions in the sense that they are not capable of being answered by an objective study of material reality. But my book, um, Spiritual Revelations from Beyond the Veil, is a collation of 500 written accounts from near-death experiencers. The readers of my book will find the answers to all of those questions. And Indeed, many of those NDEers who approached the veil without being allowed to cross over the veil, they were told by the beings of light, or by God, the light, that you must return to your earthly body because your earthly mission is not yet complete. 
you must bring back with you and share with humanity for the benefit of humanity the messages, the information, and the revelations you have received at the veil. So that is really what my book is about. Well, thank you for that. And I, like I said, I think these are really hopeful messages, and it transcends this material world that we live in, and I think allows us to relax about death. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, can you share now what your own spiritual journey is and how you got to being interested in this and, and writing this particular book? Uh, yes, Carol. Um, I was born in uh, Ontario, Canada. And I spent my first 30 years there. Uh, I was born into a Christian family and 70 years on I'm still a Christian. But uh, as I've grown older I've um, become very fond uh, and respectful of the wisdom and compassion uh, and love to be found in other religions. And when I retired from a 35-year career in university education at the beginning of 2018, I began reading the sacred scriptures of 12 of the mainstream religion. Uh, I began with the Abrahamic religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And I looked at Zoroastrianism and Baha'i from Persia or Iran. Uh, I looked at four religions from India, uh, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, uh, Sikhism, and Jainism. And I also looked at Confucianism and Taoism from China. And the more I read from the sacred scripture, uh, the more it dawned upon me that they are all united by what I would term divine virtues or universal ethical principles. And I actually identified some 36 divine virtues. And after extensive research, I collated all of this information and put it together in the book that you referred to, Transcendental Spirituality, Wisdom and Virtue. And the big learning for me from uh, researching and writing that book is that although these religions are diverse and come from all of the continents of the world, there is a very profound underlying spiritual unity. Underlying diversity, there is a foundation of unity. So that book was published in May of last year, but I still had a burning desire to research something that I had first encountered in and around the year 1990 when I worked at the University of Western Australia. And I picked up out of the general library a book by Dr. Raymond Moody entitled mm. Life After Life. And I read it from cover to cover and was absolutely stunned and fascinated by what I read. But that was some 30 or 35 years ago, and being a very busy university academic, I had very little time for recreational or hobby reading. So when I retired and teen, um, this whole new world opened up to me that I could read what I wanted. So the second book I read was by Dr. Eben Alexander, a proof of heaven, a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife. And once again, I was awestruck by what I read of Dr. Alexander's own account of his own near-death experience. And after having read that book, uh, I had an insatiable appetite to do much more research in the NDE area. So I uh, went to the archives of the, on the website of the um, EANS organization, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And I began reading the accounts that are in the archives. And some of them are quite lengthy, some of them quite brief, 
some of them well written with English and some of them relatively poorly written. But in any event, after reading a few dozen of these accounts, I detected similarities, common insights or observations. And the more I read, the more pronounced this messaging became. So being a, a good university academic, we can't help ourselves, I tended to take copious notes and I collated them into what might roughly be termed separate chapter headings. But even at that point, I wasn't sure that there was a book in it. But I continued to read, and after a couple of hundred accounts, I began reading the rare account where the end ear was told by the light that you must return to your earthly body and you must take back to earth what has been revealed to you at the veil, the messages, the knowledge, the divine knowledge, the information. And you must share this with humanity because now the time is right for that to be shared. And I was really excited. At that point, I had a light bulb moment. Uh, the penny dropped. I knew I had to write this book because I regarded my role as a faithful servant of these 500 Indy ears as their mouthpiece to convey their synchronistic messaging to a very hungry humanity. And that resulted in the publication of my latest book, Spiritual Revelations from Beyond the Veil, and it was published in the USA on January 1st of this year. So that, that is my spiritual journey. Uh, I am a Christian, but I have a, profo a profound respect uh, for the wisdom and beauty of other religions. And much of the NDE messaging which I read fits very squarely with what I uh, read in the sacred scriptures of these 12 religions. In fact, so much so that I've actually completed work on my next book, which is entitled Near-Death Experiences and Sacred Scripture, The Parallel Messaging, and that book is due out in August of this year. So I've closed the loop wow. on this. I've come full circle. Well, you become a prolific writer. <laughs> we'll have you back on yeah. with the next book. Well, I'd be delighted to come back and share it with you. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. I'm really curious, were there any outliers? I mean, there were general themes, and I think we'll go into those general themes in a moment, the general messages from these 500 experiences. But were there any outliers that were like way different than, than the others? Uh, to answer your question, Carol, I was really focusing on the similarities the okay. uniform or, uh, or consistent messaging, but I did find certain outliers. I would say that between 5 and 10% of the accounts that I read had elements of what I would describe to be dark energy or negative energy, where the person who was experiencing the NDE, who was out of their body, um, did not go down the tunnel of light or the deep valley towards the pinprick of light, that they were taken to darker realms and had what they described as a hellish experience. I'm not too sure that's accurate to describe it as an outlier because there were numerous such accounts, but I was focusing on the accounts that um, were characterized by light and positivity. But uh, as I say, 5 to 10% of them had um, negative energy, and I would classify them into three separate categories. Okay, the three separate categories are what? Well, um, basically, the first category of the dark experience was um, the state of mind of the soul consciousness. The soul mm -hmm. is basically the mind without the physical body. The soul is what 
we truly are at the deepest foundational level of existence. We are light, energy, vibrations, the essence of God. God is within us. We, we are the essence of God. But the first form of hellish experience was an absence of the presence of God. It was being alone in the darkness. There was no light. There was no presence of God. The second type of negative or hellish experience was what I would call a transitional experience. So the soul consciousness, for whatever reason, did not travel down the dark tunnel towards the light. That perhaps it had fear, it didn't want to encounter the beauty of God. Perhaps the soul consciousness was too attached to something that it had left behind on earth. Perhaps mm. a, a beloved one or a dear friend or perhaps the, the home that they lived in or some precious painting or book or what have you. But they did not travel down the tunnel of light and they were left in a state of limbo or in a state of transition. And in the West, we um, ghosts or disembodied mm. spirits. In Asian culture, they would call them hungry ghosts. The third type of negative or dark energy experience was what I call the soul consciousness being taken to an actual physical place and experiencing hell with its sensory perception, mainly its sight and hearing, but perhaps not as we are accustomed to using sight and hearing on earth. But in one case, the soul consciousness was accompanied by a being of light. Perhaps it was the guardian angel of that soul consciousness. But for whatever reason, and there is a higher purpose in everything, and beauty comes of all things, the soul consciousness was taken to one level of hell in which it was allowed to hear and see the pain, anguish, wails, and suffering of those souls who had been consigned there. And the being of light cautioned the soul consciousness that you must stay within the protection of my light because if you move out from underneath it and enter the darkness you will never leave this place. Mm. And that's one NDE account that I never forgot because it had a very chilling effect on me. Mm -hmm. And the other account that I recall was that the soul consciousness witnessed a wall, a dark wall, and it could make out, as attached to this wall, a humanoid figure or figures. And the torso was actually embedded within the wall, but the arms were reaching out from beyond the wall, as well as half of the head. And again, the soul consciousness could witness the pain, suffering, and anguish of these souls who, for whatever reason, found themselves in this place. So, from my point of view, these were outliers because the vast majority of the accounts were very positive. They dealt with positive energy, places of light, places of ineffable indescribable, wondrous beauty. So that's a long-winded answer to your question. Well, I really appreciate it. I had that curiosity, and I myself have read one or two accounts like that, and I always kind of wondered you know, why that is, and I wonder sometimes if people take what their belief system is into their near-death experience. But, but anyway, let's talk about some of your chapters for example, God is real. Let's talk about what you found out about God. 
as a starter? Yes. Well, I can't put it any better than to uh, recite one of the end of years. She said, God is love. Well, most mm -hmm. of us know that already. But what was unique about her account was she used love as an acronym. So the L standing for love, the O standing for oneness, the V standing for vibrations, and the E standing for energy. But the end of years describe God as omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent. God is in every energy particle in the universe simultaneously. God is light. Uh, the light is the presence of God. God is incorporeal, does not have any form, because no form could, cont could contain the beauty of God. And God's realm is in heaven, in the core. And it, it was amazing because some of the people who had the NDE were very religious, regarded themselves as being from a strictly religious background prior to their NDE. And afterwards, they said, my outlook on life changed. I've become more spiritual and less religious. And there were accounts of atheists or agnostics, people who did not believe in God or did not believe in an afterlife, just believe that when our heart stops beating and our brain stops functioning, our consciousness ends in an empty abyss of nothingness. And they came back and in their written accounts they said, now I have proof and certainty of the existence of God and the beautiful, indescribable, ineffable, incomprehensible afterlife that awaits us. That we, our soul consciousness, is eternal. It is infinite. It never dies. And God does not want us to fear. Fear is negative energy. It prevents us from living our lives to the full from fulfilling our life mission. God does not want us to fear life on earth or to fear departure therefrom. And in fact, many of the end of years said that fear as a form of um, negative energy is not permitted to enter the heavenly realms. Hmm. I think that the idea that God is this transcendent energy versus like a being, I, I think that's always been the the conversation that I've had with atheists where they're looking at God as some sort of person that has, you know, somehow magically created everything and they think that's comical and that's made up. The idea though, like I'm, I'm a unity minister and we, we do teach that God is this transcendent energy, that God is love, that God is an essence under everything that is. It sounds like that's what's being learned or being ascertained in these near-death experiences. But you can't really contain God. So <laughs> people talk about God as a name and having some attributes. But it sounds like what's been validated here is that God is just beyond anything that we can really describe, but is real and is the love under all that is. Yes, Carol. That, um the end of ears describe God as energy. And the sacred scriptures caution us that, you know, our attempts to describe God are woefully inadequate. It's not our place to try to describe God. Uh, I did try to do that in transcendental spirituality based on what the sacred scriptures said. But it is an exercise that um, can never be successful because. God is ineffable, indescribable. Um, we, in our earthly experience, we have nothing to compare or to use as, as a point of reference. And the end of years 
uh, are the same. They describe God as energy or light. But um, as one NDEer said, uh, trying to describe the near-death experience and God and, and heaven is like, to, like trying to depict a magnificent sunset by drawing it in sand with a stick. You just cannot mm, convey yeah. the richness and the meaning. Our, our mm -hmm. earthly language is too impoverished. Our earthly experience far too limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I even think that way about how we say, you know, God is a he. I, I think well, we do that because it's in our scriptures or sacred texts, but I don't, I, I'm sure that God transcends that. Well, I would agree. I, I, I think... Um, God would be gender neutral. I, I don't think God has a gender. As you say, yeah. religion, um, being patriarchal, has used the he pronoun. But I've never considered God as a he or a she. God is God, the creator yeah. of all that is and the bestower of all life. And whether we regard God as he or she is um, really beside the point, I think. Yeah, I think it's respect. just an illustration of how our language limits. You know, we don't have a word for something that transcends gender, so we just pick oh. one. Correct. So let's look at some other things like all are connected and the higher realms, time and language, and what it's like on the other side. Do you want to go into that area? Yes, um, there are many areas we could go into, Carol, um, but the notion of interconnectedness or oneness, you hear that quite a bit. But on planet Earth, we live in a realm of dualism, of separation or separateness. Uh, you and I are separate and apart. We are speaking half a world away. Uh, we are separate from the chairs we are sitting on. We are separate from our neighbors and the trees outside of our house. Um, this is an earthly illusion. In the world of spirit, or the higher spiritual realms, when we leave our body, our soul consciousness leaves dualism behind. And as one NDEer said, when I left my physical body, I became oneness. I left my earthly identity behind, all of my earthly cares, worries, and anxieties. I left my ego behind, my I, and I became one. I was everything, and everything was me. I became one with the light. I became absorbed in the light, and I had all-knowingness. And interestingly, there are parallels. If you look at Hindu scripture, or Buddhism. Now going back to Hinduism, the Bhagavad Gita, the definition of enlightenment is very similar. It is a suppression of the I or the ego, of your earthly identity. It is rising to the upper realms and being absorbed into the light, into the oneness and unity of the light or the universal consciousness. And that is what my chapter on, on oneness or interconnectedness is, is about. Uh, on Earth, that is mind-boggling for us to appreciate because, of course, we're separate and apart. But when we enter the world of spirit, we will see that that's an earthly fallacy or construct, and the scales will be removed from our eyes or uh, of our soul consciousness, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I think so this interconnectedness is our truth, that, that even though we're here in this earthly realm and we experience duality, the truth of our being is that we are interconnected, we are one. Again, that's another unity teaching, which I find so interesting being validated by these experiences. Can you share what some of these indie ears would say about then why are we here in this earth plane? Are we here just to experience duality? Um, the, the answer is quite simple, Carol, but uh, human beings tend to overcomplicate things. The message is simple, but the living out of it is challenging. But basically, 
we come to Earth by choice. We come to Earth to learn. Uh, I'll quote for you and your listeners a beautiful Taoist proverb from the Tao Te Ching, chapter 21. It says, Life is a venturing forth. Death is a returning home. We, our soul consciousnesses, enter our physical body at birth to enable us to learn, to acquire divine knowledge on earth, to live life to the full, to experience joy, and to be grateful for those experiences, to love and to be loved, to understand and appreciate what unconditional love is, and to manifest that not only to other human beings, but all sentient beings, including animals. To manifest a type of love that has no strings attached to its flow. That is at the deepest foundational core of all that exists. A love for all that is, regardless of the circumstances. We are here to serve God by or through acts of material and spiritual charity towards others. And life, of course, is fraught with challenges, problems, trials and tribulations, but that is the way it is meant to be, according to the end of years. This is for a higher purpose. So human beings, being what we are, when we are confronted with problems and challenges in our lives, we tend to complain, we tend to grizzle. Um, but the end of ears say no. When these happen in your lives, you must adopt a positive attitude. These are opportunities for the soul consciousness to discern the particular lessons in life you were sent to earth to learn. So, must I learn to become a more forgiving person so that I can be set free, so that I can begin to heal? Must I learn to become a more patient and less angry person, etc., etc.? So that is the basic message of the end to ears. To manifest a love that there's nothing in it for us. To be selfless rather than selfish. Now that is a relatively logical and simple message to convey, but a much harder one for us to live, especially when not all people are religious or spiritual. But as one end of ear said in their account, we must also love the unlovable and those who do not know any better. And as another end of ear said, a very simple but profound rule to follow in leading a wholesome life on earth is to follow the golden rule, which is to be found mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because that soul consciousness said that all religions are vain attempts to articulate that simple rule. And really that is all we need according to the light. The light told the end to ear, return to your earthly life. Uh, look for the good in others rather than trying to find the fault in others and live by the golden rule. Yeah, I that universal rule is pretty darn simple and we just have so much difficulty with it. I really appreciate and love that the realization of other, like do unto others, others, is expanded beyond humanity. That that the indie ears are saying it, it it expands into the animals and the trees and the plants and all that God has created. And we separate ourselves so much from the natural world 
and from animals thinking they're below us. And so we can do whatever we want to to them. They've been given to us to uh, annihilate or exploit or whatever. But the NDEers are saying they're part of it. They're part of the interconnectivity. They're part of the oneness. And they're part of the unconditional love. Absolutely, uh, Carol. Um, Jainism in particular, as a, an Indian religion, extends the golden rule to all sentient creatures. Um, apart from that, the mainstream religions seem to confine it to human beings. Mm -hmm. But uh, you are quite correct, and you raise an excellent point. Uh, the NDEers were consistent on this. They say that we must extend the golden rule to all, including all sentient beings, all animals, plants, trees. Because according to the NDEers, it's not only human beings that have consciousness and energy. Um, members of the animal kingdom have this. Trees, plants also have consciousness. And we don't realize that when we're in our physical bodies. But once we leave our physical body, that becomes plainly apparent to the soul consciousness. And if I may be permitted to talk a little bit more about nature, and what the NDEers had to say. Um, they all say that it's a universal law that planet Earth is a living organism. It is our mother or our father. It it's, gives us sustenance and nurture as well as the animal kingdom. And we are to be grateful and have thanksgiving to Mother Earth for providing that. It's also a universal rule that we should only take from the earth what our basic needs require and what can sustainably be produced. And indigenous populations throughout the world have known that for millennia. That is a given for their spirituality. But in the West we are too distracted. There are too many distractions and amusements uh, in our lives to appreciate that. And we are over-exploiting the planet. And we do so at our peril. So the NDEers say we must love nature because God is nature. Uh, God is in nature. We must learn from nature, study it, love it. So there's so much to learn from it. And we can go to a bricks and mortar church to worship God or the source. But we can also worship God in a beautiful woodlands because God is also there. So nature is very much part of the NDE experience. And that interconnectedness extends to trees, plants, the phenomena of nature, and the animal kingdom. And staying with interconnectedness, if we harm others, we are harming ourselves. So what is the point? Yeah, it is so interesting that we typically in the West have this boundary between humankind and the animal kingdom and the rest of, of nature that these laws apply to us humans, but not the rest of them. But interestingly, like in, in Genesis, I mean, that's this is biblical in Genesis, and I take it metaphorically, it, it could be actual history. I, I don't know how the earth was created, but, but it's interesting that the story does say that God created all that is, and the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the animal kingdom, and then finally human beings, and he said, okay, here you are, live in harmony. Don't harm the animals. <laughs> it says it right there in Genesis 1.29, and take care of everything. And we've twisted this into these, all of this was given to us humans at the apex of creation. So anyway, it's just so interesting that we've twisted the story and we've twisted the theology to be dominators. And then your indie ears are saying, Mm -hmm. that's that's not the right course. 
behold God in the animal, in all of them, and that animals have souls. I thought that was really interesting too. Well, as you say in the scripture, it is said that uh, humanity has been given dominion over the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea. The word um, dominion, according to the NDEers, has been misconstrued. We are mm -hmm. not to dominate, kill, and exploit the animal kingdom. We are guardians. We are stewards of nature as well as the animal kingdom. And just a, a couple of insights that come to mind as I'm talking. Uh, one end of the year said that we have been given animals to become our pets so that we may learn the meaning of unconditional love. Our pet animals help us to manifest unconditional love. And more than one end of the year said that when we're at the veil, and were at the threshold of heaven, they were joined by their childhood dogs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So our dogs are in heaven. So mm -hmm. th there, there's no pecking order here. So I, I found that very uh, revealing. And we undervalue the animal kingdom. We should respect the animal kingdom as much as we do planet Earth. Sadly, um, that isn't happening in many areas of the world today. Well, and I think that people, without belaboring the point too much, but I think people think their dogs have souls, but not the pigs and the chickens and the cows and the deer and the bunnies and all of that. And it, it's all God's creation. Mm -hmm. And they're all here for a purpose. They all have their own mm -hmm. reason for being. And they all have something to teach us. That's what I believe. And I think that was generally reflected in many of your NDE testimonies. It, um, actually, uh, I remember another NDE account that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but all life must be sanctified. Uh, all life has been created and bestowed by God. So it is wrong to detest or have aversion to um, certain life forms, although it might be natural to humans, uh, they were all created by God. So we shouldn't have aversion to any form of life that God has created. And another NDE account said that, like us, uh, members of the animal kingdom have fear and they struggle to survive. So have love and compassion for them and do not harm yeah. them. And I think it would, if we really took this into our heart, it would change our habits and our patterns dramatically. It would change what we wear, what we eat, animal testing, all the things that we do to the animal kingdom. If we really wanted to take on that we're interconnected and they have a soul and we are one and we are their guardians. And that's really challenging for people. But I do think that's mm -hmm. what's being conveyed in your NDE messages. And I interviewed an NDE experiencer a year or so ago, and he came back with the same message. You know, he was a Texan barbecue guy, and he came back <laughs> saying, "No, we're not. We're not supposed to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do it anymore." So anyway, it was really interesting to see how he changed. He changed based on what he had learned in his after-death experience. Uh, I believe we are entering an interesting era of human history. Uh, one of um, perhaps cleansing or purification or consciousness elevation. But it, it really is heartening to see so many young people who are turning to veganism. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I do respect people who are meat eaters. I pass no judgment on them. That is completely a personal choice. But I also respect profoundly uh, young people who say, right, I'm going to adopt a vegan lifestyle by choice and stick with it for the remainder of my life. And that's what the Jains do in India and the uh, uh, other religious sects in India. So I, I think that slowly we're going to have a movement towards that, but it, it will take time. Yeah, I think we are moving towards that. And I think eventually, because also the plants have consciousness and all, eventually there are 
there are breatharians on this planet. There are people who actually thrive without consuming anything. And presumably, they would be kind of at the higher levels of consciousness beyond even the vegans. But it's anyway, that's interesting. I don't mean to focus only on that. But I do think it's an important message because I don't think we can ever really experience peace and harmony and, and oneness as long as we're acting in completely different ways and as long as we're exploiting others and enslaving others. So it's, it's really important that we see all aspects of our life where we are being those dominators and separators and not beholding the God nature in nature. <laughs> and even the word yes. nature is funny. We have that word as if it's separate from us, but the truth is, we're, we're all in this. We're all in this together. Oh, yes. yes, I agree. <laughs> okay, so where do you want to take this? There's also some really interesting um, stories that you have ascertained about reincarnation, about life reviews. And I think the life review is always interesting that we do mm. end up holding ourselves accountable to what we did and what we didn't do here on this earth plane. Well, uh, the NDEers were able to um, identify a number of universal laws, and one of them was reincarnation. And uh, many of the mainstream religions I studied are based on the belief in reincarnation. But the NDEers said that I no longer believe in reincarnation. I know it to be true as a fact. It's, I have certainty and proof, just as I know that there is a loving and compassionate God and a heaven. So we've all had countless um, reincarnations, not all of which have necessarily been on planet Earth. We may have been reincarnated in other uh, physical or material realms of existence elsewhere in the cosmos or even reincarnated in unseen realms of pure energy. Um, so we've gone through countless such incarnations. But as one end of year said, we have to keep coming back until we've learned all of the lessons and get it right. But slowly but surely, inexorably, we are gradually graduating upwards. We are elevating our soul consciousness, elevating our awareness, and the ultimate goal is um, seek communion with God, to be absorbed into the light, and that is the destiny for all of us. All of us are on the same pathway at different stages of evolutionary development in terms of the soul. And another end of year, I might add, while I think of it, so that heaven is not a gated community. It's open to all. So it's open to all religions. But as another end of year said, how do I know which religion I should follow? And the light told this end of year, follow the religion or the belief system that resonates best with your soul heart. So that that was about reincarnation. Moving the conversation forward to the so-called life review. Many of the religions, of course, the Abrahamic religions, say that we just have one shot at it and we're judged by God on a reward-punishment basis. Uh, but that is not the experience or messaging of the end to ears. Um, we are not judged by God because according to them God is unconditional love and as such is not capable of judging or condemning. Uh, he sends messengers or beings of light to help us judge ourselves. Uh, judge may be a bit of a misnomer but to help us appraise ourselves why was why must we do it? Because we are often our harshest critic. 
So a being of light will be assigned to our case. So when our soul leaves our body and goes down the tunnel of light and reaches the veil, uh, we will, according to the NDEers, have our own individual life review. And that's basically a review of our entire life. All of our thoughts, all of the words we spoke in our lifetime, all of the actions, all of the non-actions, the roads we could have taken but chose not to, those will be explored uh, in our life review. It's like a 3D movie in a panoramic cinema. It's instantaneous. And it's almost like we have something recording in our soul consciousness from the moment we are born. Everything is transcribed. It's almost like the Akashic, so-called Akashic records. And that is played back to us. And at certain points, the being of light will press the pause button and ask for our assessment. How would you assess your conduct in that particular set of circumstances? And how could you have done better, not only for the others around you, but for the good, the general good of the community? So it is a learning process. But interestingly, during the life review, we just don't see it from our own selfish perspective from our own perspective. We see it from at least two other perspectives. From the perspective of a third-party objective witness who happened to be there but wasn't directly involved. And we also see it from the point of view of our so-called victim. Mm -hmm. We may have manifested love to that person and they were the beneficiary and that will be played back to us. We will experience and feel the joy and happiness that we gave that person with the love we showed to them. And we will also be shown, according to the end of years, the love that they in turn manifested to others and the feelings that the others had for the love that was in turn manifested to them. Conversely, we will be in the shoes of our victims. We will feel their pain, sadness, sorrow, anger, anguish that they experienced at our mistreatment of them. I recall one particular case where the end of year was shown a replay of his life when he was a five-year-old boy. And he had had an argument with his six-year-old sister and he called her all sorts of nasty names and caused his um, older sister to break down and she was distraught and in tears. And he felt that pain and anguish that she felt when he was five and she was six. So it's like an exercise in empathy on steroids, if you will. We become our victims and hopefully, through that experience, we learn that we should not use hateful, nasty language anyone, because those are the consequences, the ripple effects that, that extend to eternity. So the, some of the NDEers use a metaphor of dropping a pebble into a still pond or knocking the first domino down a cascade of stairs in which the ripple effects keep going. And one of the main lessons of the life review is that the messenger or the being of light is trying to get the soul consciousness to appreciate that we may not realize it on earth, but the life choices we make, even our thoughts, the words we choose, what we do or do not know, have profound and sometimes unforeseen and unintended consequences on others. So when we do exercise our free will, we have to be careful in, in the way we, we choose to do it.
I think if we all got that, like if we all knew that, we we would all, I think, change our behaviors and be very mindful about our behavior because we know it's going to come back to us. The the love that we put out is going to come back to us. The the judgment and the hate or the neglect or whatever it is that we do is going to come back to us. And, you know, I think a, a sane person would say, I don't want to feel that, so I'm, I'm going to change my behavior. I think that message in itself would be the one that would say, okay, let's create harmony here. Let's create this interconnectedness that really is the divine truth of us. So that's just a really, really helpful message. Now we're coming up on the end of our hour and we've got a couple minutes and I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to say anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about, whatever it is you want to tell those who are listening. Well, I have two or three messages, uh, Carol, that I'd like to share with you and your audience. Uh, the first one is to use a quote from one of the NDE accounts. That is, uh, make a difference. During your lifetime, uh, give to the world more than you receive from it. Uh, the second message that is a strong and consistent message from the end to ear says, uh, do not fear life on earth or departure from earth because your soul consciousness is eternal and a beautiful, indescribable, wondrous, beautiful afterlife is awaiting you. And my third and final message, again, a consistently strong message from the end to ears, is uh, what we regard on earth as important to us, um, our careers, promotions, our power, our fame, our material wealth. Um, these are considered irrelevant, insignificant, and superficial in the heavenly realms. Uh, what we consider trivial on earth, uh, or as uh, what may be termed small kindnesses, like taking in a stray cat or a stray dog and giving it temporary shelter before we turn it over to a, a, a proper shelter, or opening the door for an elderly person who is struggling with their shopping bag these are the small kindnesses that are regarded in the heavenly realms as profound manifestations of love. And in fact, when I read the Holy Quran a couple of years ago, there was a chapter entitled The Small Kindnesses, which was about this very same thing. And one of the NDEers said, it is the small kindnesses such as these that mean so much to God. So uh, keep those uh, small kindnesses coming because they are what God hopes that we will do in our time on earth. And they will be replayed back for you during your life review. And you will get to see the love and happiness and joy that was experienced by those people that you displayed that love and kindness too. Wow, those are wonderful messages. Douglas, thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. I know you're conveying the experiences of those who had the near-death experience and this universal wisdom, and especially those last three gems of wisdom. It really impacts how we live here. And my heart's just so warmed this is a podcast about hope, inspiration, and awakening. And your message that you convey today hit all three of those, hope, inspiration, and awakening. So thank you so much for being with me. It's been my absolute pleasure, Carol. And I do hope that your uh, listeners um, do find the messages that I've conveyed uh, worthwhile and, and worth adopting as part of their daily lives. And I, I did write my book also for people who find themselves in a terminal, terminal illness situation mm -hmm. or who are suffering from a difficult bereavement or 
have questions about the meaning of life and for those who themselves have had a near-death experience. So I do hope that for those people as well that my book and the messages it contains does resonate uh, with them. So thank you very much. I'm sure they will. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. Let me know what you think. You can email me at revcarolsaunders at gmail.com or make comments in the podcast audio or video versions. Thank you, everyone. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.